I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode, the new episode of The Riker Report. Joining me today, we have Callum, who's come back. He didn't talk himself in the end, it turns out. How are you doing, Callum? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm recovered. Okay. Slowly, slowly recovered. We've given it enough time now, haven't we? How are you doing, Maybe. Tom? We've got Tom here. Tom 2, 2, 2.0. The first Tom may have actually been overcome with asbestos because we haven't seen him in weeks. So, how are you doing, Tom? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm great. I'm Fantastic. great, absolutely great. Yeah, good, good. And as usual, we've got James. How are you doing, James? As well as can, well as you can be, I think. As well as you can be, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, if you're wondering why we're all sounding so glum, apart from Tom, unaccountably, it's because we got battered by Stoke on Saturday. And proper battered as well. I mean, you would think as a Sunderland fan now that we're used to watching our side capitulate against teams that we should be gaining at least a point from. But it doesn't make it sting any less. So, um, who's feeling the most wound up about that? Who, who who wants to go first? I'll give this one to. I'll tell you what. I'll give it to Callum. Callum, what did you make of that game? Um, I have to say, like, I I don't. I'm not really that wound up about it anymore because I'm kind of just a bit numb to it, <laughs> and I've just I'm taking the David Moyes approach of I'm just going to sit in my chair and just kind of watch it happen around me as the chaos. <laughs> ensues and eventually destroys us all um so I, I i was just kind of watching it and just thinking yeah that's about right um you know peter crouch kind of dominating us as he does in most games he plays against us where we've just got like no answer to him the first kind of 10 minutes 15 minutes he was just peeling off on the center back on, on the fullbacks um and it was happening at free kicks in open play and he was getting a few chances bringing some balls down and and it was kind of just, it was coming, you know, the first goal was just coming all day long. And then um, when it happened, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a, I have to say, it's a very nice touch. It's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a decent shot and everything. And, and, but, you know, it's just, we give the ball away in our own half. And we've done that so often this season, you know, a lot of the goals against Burnley, against Swansea, you know, the, the, the games where we've kind of shot ourselves in the foot have been, you know, giving the ball away, um, you know, not being tight enough to to men, not not communicating. Um, it was it was just all around just a really sort of tepid, disgraceful display, really. Where I just, I, you know, there was there were very few people to come out of it with credit. Um, I think Defoe gets credit. Larson runs a lot; he always will. Um, 
you know, other than that, you know, I'm I'm kind of struggling. Um, mm. And it's just it's just kind of it just kind of shows the limitations not only of the players on the pitch but also um, of the manager. Um, you know, he, he a lot. You know, he, he kind of defended himself by saying that um, what he had on the bench wasn't really going to do anything more than what was on the pitch, but. He had Azoro on the on the bench, and he used him in the League Cup, and he used him against Everton earlier in the season off the bench. So he has used him before, um, and it, it, substitutes off the bench aren't necessarily better than the players on the pitch. They're just a different option. Change it up, give you a bit of fresh legs, try something different. Especially when you're already losing three one. So I just find the excuses that he's used just you know kind of unacceptable and just representative mm-hmm. of just what's been a really dour, you know just awful managerial um tenure really i i just i but like i say i'm, I'm just kind of resigned to it now it's just kind of i just kind of watch it happen <laughs> well you bring, you bring up quite a few points there i mean yeah with regards to the squad the lack of effort whether it's about quality whether it's about commitment uh man the manager tactical decisions before and after i mean we'll touch a little bit more on david moyes in a bit but as for the um the players and the substitutions. I would agree with that completely, wholeheartedly. I, I think most of us do. Most fans find it a bit mind-boggling that he didn't just make an effort, <coughs> do something, bring on a player. It doesn't matter, yeah. especially when it got to the second half and or into the second, 60th minute, 70th minute, and you're thinking, well, he's going to bring on a right-back next, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Because that's typically what he does, <laughs> and he failed to do that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I too feel resigned to it. What do you, what do you mm. make of it, James? Well... I think he he must be making some sort of point or stance by not not bringing anyone on because anyone that was watching that game could see that it was crying out for energy and pace and just anyone to do anything. Um, one thing that the youngsters will give you, they may not be as technically good as someone like Fabio Barini, but I tell you what, they're going to do. They're going to have more of an impact. They're going to try and stretch teams and. The fact that he didn't bring them on, in my opinion, it, it has to be some sort of stance to whether it be the owner or, or whoever um, to say that, look, this squad isn't good enough. I mean, to be honest, the the team he put out was, it was, we could see what he was doing. I thought he would, he made a mistake by bringing um, Gillibudgey and O'Shea back together. I mean, it's a disastrous partnership. I mean, Papi Gillibudgey, I had a few games a couple of months ago, but I mean, he can't, on the whole, he can't really be trusted, can he? He was absolutely terrible. He definitely runs um, hot and cold at the same time, doesn't he? He, he really does, and he was playing balls to denier. Uh, I think whoever did the match ratings called them suicide passes. He's, he's spot on because he kept playing the ball to denier when he didn't want it. Um, he he almost he tried to end Charlie Adams' life, which I quite enjoyed. Um, he just it seemed to just can't comprehend how to defend at times and I think you look at how Stoke were playing and they were obviously taking advantage of someone like Donald Love a hell of a lot I mean he could not handle Anatovic all day Um, it wasn't helped by the fact that none of those back four can have any faith in that goalkeeper he is awful I mean he's beaten his front post twice and the attempt for Crouch's header is just pathetic Pathetic. It's awful. Um, he almost managed to let another one go under him. I think it was Shakiri, wasn't it, in the first half? Yeah. And 
I think it's the second goal is, is is a good goal by Stoke. Let's let's. I mean, sometimes you've got to hold your hands up and say it was a lovely piece of play, but I'd still expect Vito Manoni not to be beaten at his near post, and he was. It was just too easy for them. It was too easy all over the bloody park, wasn't it? I mean, we've heard it said about Vito that he needs a run of games in order to get into his into a flow where he's actually a capable goalkeeper, but. To be honest with you, he's had quite a bit of a run now, hasn't he? And he's he's, he's not making any fewer mistakes, which is a bit of a yeah. well, it's not a bit of a concern, it's a massive concern. Well, he seems to he seems to be like one week he, I mean, against Liverpool, he was he was quality, like he really looked his old self. He was had to, he, he's a good shot stopper. He was, I mean, his distribution's always been terrible, but it just I I cannot understand how a goalkeeper can have such little consistency. The last goalkeeper I saw who was as inconsistent as him was someone like Kelvin Davis. It's honestly he puts that kind of um, fear into me having him in him between the sticks. I think it's it's a mentality issue though, as it is with quite a lot of players. I mean, we all know that Vito Manoni is a is a capable goalkeeper. We all know that he he is a he he has uh, rescued us uh, on several occasions. He's helped us get to a cup final. So we know that the that the ability is there. It's just a case of he doesn't just make one mistake or have a bit of a wobbly five minutes. He has a wobbly game or two games. You know what I mean? Like if, yeah. if you're a goal if you're a goalkeeper and you have a wobbly ninety minutes, that's just disaster. That's like you will lose that game if you are the goalkeeper yeah. and you have a wobbly ninety minutes. Mm. You know there are the, the better goalkeepers. They'll make one mistake every season or two seasons. You know, and even the average goalkeepers will make a mistake in a game and gather themselves. You know, and just do the simple things and really kind of compose themselves. Manone does seem to have that ninety-minute wobble that yeah. that you just don't you don't really stand a chance if it happens. But I mean, though it wasn't for me. It wasn't just Manone. The the second goal, fair enough. He leaves a gape in area at his near post, but that so many people let let Arnautovic run. I think uh, Denea lets him go, and then Donald Love just can't live with his pace or his power. No. Um, and and Donald, you can see Donald Love think, shall I try and set off and match his pace? Shall I try and get in front of him? And you just and and Arnautovic is a strong, quick player, and Love just was not up to it at all. Chilabodji no. looks like if he defends successfully, it's an accident. Like if he, de- <laughs> yeah. if, he, if, he if he if he if he if he if he manages to make a decent tackle or 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 a header or to actually do some composed defending, it's it's all kind of oh. You know, he just kind of throws himself at stuff, and if he gets it, great. Yeah. And if he doesn't, oh well. You know, he might he might have like a decent tackle, like d- a decent number of tackles completed a game, but that's because he literally goes for everything, like absolutely does. everything. He and does. So you're gonna you're gonna win more tackles if you go for everything, but you're also gonna miss a lot more. Well, the thing, you know, about, so... the thing about Papi, I will say on that note, it's like, uh, is it possible that uh, there are several mental factors involved when you consider that he's He's very recent. He's very new to the club, sort of thing. He was obviously sold, like apparently everyone was. He was sold a future that isn't quite as rosy as as was actually given to him. Um, is it possible, considering it's the January transfer window, that his head's turned? You know, maybe he's thinking, look, oh, do I really want to be a part <laughs> no, of this? No one would want to be a part. No, this is it. I agree. No one would want him. I'm not saying that he's like someone's going to come in for him and take him, or that someone's turned his head. But I'm saying. Is he now looking at... I mean, isn't, has he ever been in a relegation battle? Has he ever been under this sort of pressure? And now he, he's sitting... When well, you consider as well that he didn't, he didn't make it into his national squad, which was quite damning, and I imagine that's quite damning for him personally as well. 
I don't know. It just it seemed to me like for a while we were building up Chilabodji and we were saying, yeah, like he's actually we've got a really good defender here, really good centre back, bargain on well not bargain at eight million, but certainly a good centre back. And I just I find it incredible that someone can go from having those sort of performances, particularly a centre back, from having a fantastic performance for two three games, and then being as completely anonymous and hapless as he was against Stoke. Now, so that was that was the that was the issue. He only had two three games mm. before that. He was an absolute joke, and he's gone back to being an absolute joke. It's typical. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, and well, on Saturday it wasn't just the the suicide passes to Denier. Who, he just seemed desperate to make Denier make mistakes. Mm. Then, like, he can't tackle. He can't read a game. And then what pretty much summed him up where he tried to shepherd the ball out, completely just stop looking. And then Shakiri's nipped in behind it. That could have been like four yeah. 0 It was awful. That he's mm. just a he's just a dreadful footballer. <laughs> and he cost eight. He cost eight million quid. It's just typical in there. This is it's, quick, it's a Sunderland signing all over. Quickly back to to quickly back to Donald Love because I did feel sorry for the lad because I think he's been decent in recent weeks. But yeah, yeah. I think we could all see within ten minutes, five minutes of that game, they were well. Oh. Let's get it, Donald Love. He's not the most physical. He's not the quickest either. And Anatovic bullied him. Now, David Moyes, to me, has to, regardless if he's got no depth or anything or whatever, he needs to he, he needs to change that round, whether that be bringing Love back into the central midfield and putting Denier at right back just to cope with that aerial presence. But the fact he didn't do anything there, I thought was, was, was shocking because it was, it was so evident that that was going to be a problem for us all afternoon. We essentially left the I mean, poor lad hung out to dry there. Yeah, it's like their 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 tactic all game was to just lump it at him, and then by half time it's done. So not not even at one nil, not even one nil did Moyes think, oh hang on, this is this is not working. We'll do what we did against Burnley. We'll put Denier back into into the defence, and we'll put Love with Rodwell. And I know yeah. we didn't win against Burnley, but a nil nil is better than three nil in thirty minutes. Yeah, so exactly. I, just no, there's no that. thinking, no it's thinking behind these decisions before the match. I mean, look, we we had a a little uh, make your case on the site, and I was an advocate for putting Denier in midfield, despite his great game at uh, Burnley. And the reason for that was, I was convinced, utterly convinced. That Gillibodji, coupled with the old head of John O'Shea, would be able to handle whatever <laughs> Stoke could throw at us. Because I just, I was that, I was that. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I just did not expect anything like that. That defending, that level of defending, was absolutely shocking. I was left sitting there going, "God, I'm so wrong." Do you know what I mean? It hasn't even strengthened the midfield like I thought it would. In it, I, to be fair, he had an off game anyway. I mean, yeah, playing him out of position in midfield, so. So that might be it. Maybe he did really enjoy his time as centre-back and thought, yeah, I belong here. But, yeah, I thought it was absolutely crazy. That second goal in particular drove me insane. Because, yeah. it's like, like it's, I've said, they were really bigging it up. Like, oh, it's a fantastic goal, little 1-2, one, 1-2. Two, one, two. So I agree, sort of. But these might this might as well be a training ground. And those might as well be dummies that you're moving around. Because they, they were like statues. Well, they are. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're like statues, weren't they? So it's like you would expect yeah. anyone in the Premier League, anyone worthy of being in the Premier League, to be able to do a one-two-one-two one, two between statues and dummies because they didn't yeah. move. They were rooted to the spot. Like, oh, what's, what's happening? Oh no! Oh, it's got arts oh, in the back of there. You know, it, it was just yeah. The, the the thing with the thing with Denier is 
I mean, he's not he's not a, he's not a midfielder. He traditionally is a centre half, but that he has to be able to has to be able to pass the ball better. As a professional football, you've got to be able to pass the ball five yards. He gave the ball away in the run up to all three of Stoke's goals. I mean, I think I think that's unforgivable. Really, um, we can bail him out saying that Papi, you know, gave him suicide passes all day, but. He, he still gave the ball away in very very easy situations. Um, him, uh, the whole midfield three. To be honest, uh, we all had a go at Seb Larson, didn't we, last week? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he, he did what he usually does. He runs around, did absolutely nothing other than that. I mean, at least he seemed to care. Um, I mean, Jack Rodwell. I mean, you know what I think of him. Um, and that 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 chance. It was was it, it was quite like Leicester last season, wasn't it? When you thought it, when it fell to him, you thought, is this it? Yeah. Is this when Jack Rodwell finally, you know, is this his time to shine? No, and it almost hit the fucking no. corner flag, I think. It's, no, it was, no, he's, he's ne- it's never going to happen. We should just stop thinking it's going to happen. He's had his chances. It's not. This is not happening. I, yeah. I, I give him a bit of leeway because deep down you want it to work, but he's just not ever going to. It's just not. He's not. It might be good somewhere else, but it, it's not working here at Sunderland. Mm-hmm. And he'll probably be playing in the Championship with us next year. And we still won't be able to get rid of him. <laughs> and he still won't be any good. And he still won't <laughs> sco- want to win a game or something. <laughs> but yeah, we've got like we've got some questions on Twitter as usual, um, talking about players that we think are terrible. Uh, we we definitely thought Barini was terrible, and he just hasn't looked looked even a shadow of what he was, which was never a. He was never pulling up trees in the league, do you know what I mean? And but he, he doesn't even look like he can be bothered anymore. Uh, on the, with regards to the questions, we've got a lad called Adam Morley. Do we cash in on Barini and buy players? Now, we all had a little laugh when we arranged this question because there's no way that we'd get anything for Barini. But certainly to bring up the idea of cashing in on him, what would you say about that, Callum? Um, I'm a... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm quite a big fan of Fabio Barini. I mean, I I admit I will hold my hands up and say and that's why he was he was yeah <laughs> he was not he was not good uh, at the weekend. Um, you know, he's he, he is playing um, wide right, which I think isn't his his best position. I think is um, where is he's been he's been I, well. I think like inside inside forward on sort of the left hand side, coming onto his right foot, I think is his is his best position, but. I think you know he's had injuries this season. He's coming back. He, you know he's had a lot of injuries when he's been with us last season as well. And and sort of towards the tail end of the season is usually when you start to see his form. I admit that is not good enough, and we need a full season out of him, and we need um, to see consistency. And 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 um, I, I didn't I didn't think he was uh, spectacularly lazy um, at the weekend. I, I think I think Yanuzai was worse. Um, but I, I agree that um, that you know we haven't been getting enough out of him, and, and that he certainly needs to um, to uh, apply himself a bit more, and, we, and and he needs to kind of find a, an, another level to to um, to really help us get out of the trouble that we're in. But I have to say, I wouldn't sell him. I think he's he's important um, in, in terms of. Uh, he's he's got he's got that you know he's got that little bit of quality that I think other players don't have and I would question whether we could get another player who would who would offer um, what he can offer. Um, I, but I mean I completely understand people's frustrations with him and I I have to say 
my soft spot is kind of nostalgic, and I'm not usually a nostalgic person at all. But um, <laughs> I, I think that I think that he does have quality, and he and he has grafted in the past. We know he can graft. There's a lot of players out there who actually aren't aren't grafting, and we've seen them graft before. You know, apparently Kazri's been labelled as as lazy, even though we've seen him graft and and. And Defoe looked a bit kind of stroppy, and Van Arnholt looked a bit stroppy, and there does seem to be a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of trouble in the camp, um, you know, and and I I wonder whether that's coming from the manager because his attitude isn't great, and he exudes a kind of negativity and 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 a bit of you know a, a bit of a stroppiness that that can't help players um, actually want to play for him, and I know people say players should want to play because they're pays this amount of money and they're professionals and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, they're people. And if you like your boss and you respect your boss and you're getting praise from your boss and support, you're going to try harder. You, mm-hmm. It's just a fact about human nature. Whether you're paid 100 grand a week or uh, you know, f- a couple of hundred quid a week, it, it's just a fact that if you respect your manager or your boss more, you're going to try harder. So I, I, I agree he needs to do more, but I wouldn't sell him. So Callum thinks that Barini is a victim of the system, and I agree. It, those are some valid points, actually. I agree with that in a in a humanistic sense. What do you think of it, Tom? Because I can tell you're desperate to get at this question. I drive him wherever he wants to go, because <laughs> not that we get anything for him. Uh, there's a bit of a Callum's touched on there about the nostalgia, and that's really the only thing he's got. He's not a good footballer. He he runs around shows like you know bigs the crowd up and that, but if we're being honest, what games has he actually performed? He's got he's he doesn't seem to offer something that uh, something that Yanazai does, but gets away with far much less stick that Yanazai does because I don't know he's not Yanazai's not bigging up the crowd and doing all this stuff. Um, I think when we bought him back. Um, under um, under advocate, I thought it was a bit of a weird, weird move, a panic buy through um, through the good old Lee Congerton days. It was one of these players that we didn't need at the time. We needed a like a kind of a, a big man up front, and what we got was another winger to go in this system at the time, which didn't fit at all. And since he's come back, I can, you can count on like fuck, like one hand how many decent games he's had. It's like Norwich away, but then everything clicked. And Chelsea at home is the same. Everything clicked. There's not been any games in my head of late that you think, oh, yeah, Barini's really changed that for us. And Barini's done, you know, he's really grafted and he's really, like, pulled one out of the bag. The the time he does pull one out of the bag is when it's, like, 3-0. It doesn't really matter. And I might be being a bit harsh. I feel I might be being a bit harsh on him, but I'm just getting sick of it. I I agree in a sense, but at the same time, I completely disagree about it because when you consider him last season, he wasn't just... First of all, he's not a winger, is he? He's a striker. That's that's the biggest problem for him, which Callum touched on. Uh, For me as well, that's another thing that wound me up about the the whole... the tactical decisions with the substitution. Do you know what I mean? Yes, he was having a terrible game. Barini was having an absolutely abysmal game. Why not take him off and bring on one of the younger lads who's more suited to playing on the right wing, you know, which would have been Asura, although Asura technically is a striker himself, but he has a lot more experience playing on the wing and making those runs. But as for Barini, last season, man, uh, it, you, you'd find him everywhere. He was all over the midfield, 
he was, and then he was back. On, I've seen him clear the ball off the line. Do you know what I mean? He's, uh, for me, at his best, I agree with Callum. I agree that he has a touch of class. Okay. But as, what he is now, it's a moot point because there's, he's absolutely useless to us at the moment. I don't know what's happened to him, but he's, he, he doesn't bring it. I'm, I'm with Tom. I, I actually don't think he offers anything apart from his culture. I just, I think he's, I think he gets away with so much because he runs about. But he's never going to be a player who grabs a game by the scruff of its neck and and says, "Right, lads, I'm having this," um, like a Jermaine Defoe will. Mm. Um, and it's, he wants to play down the middle. I've said this in past podcasts. He wants to play down the middle, but every time he's been been played down the middle, he's not really performed to it. I can't remember him really having a real standout game. When you mention the games where he's apparently played really, really well, he's never been the standout perform, performer in those games. He seems to play well when everyone's playing well. I don't want a player who only turns up when everything's going right. I want him to, to grab a game by the scruff of the neck. And he, he to me, he doesn't have the ability to do it. I love Fabio for his goal against the Mags and he, that phenomenal goal in the cup final. Um, but I just don't think he's good enough. He should maybe, I just don't. He look at his goal scoring record in his career. I haven't got it at hand, but I'd be baffled if it's better than one in 10. So we're divided in the ranks. We'll put. I think we might put up a Twitter poll for this now, actually, to go with this. Mm-hmm. Just see what see what the people think. Right. Yeah. Well, um, enough about Fabio Barini. Um, yeah, the game. The game was terrible. And we've covered most of how terrible it was. We touched on David Moyes earlier. Um, <laughs> what What are we making of that now? Because he's had he's had a long time. I mean, certainly by uh, Sunderland managerial standards, he's had <laughs> a long time. He's an old head, actually, technically. But um, yeah, I, I don't understand him. I, I've said before, I don't understand his tactical decisions before a game, and I don't understand his tactical decisions during a game, which is a, it's a bit telling, really, because I'm not. I'm not. It's not because they're so fantastic, and I'm not a manager. It's I find I find it puzzling. I think most people do. Um, with regards to not bringing the kids on, it's been said that some of them aren't. They're they're not worth it. It's been said that they can't make the step up. Right now, they're not ready at the moment. But for me, why even put them on the bench? I mean, this is it. Why have a bench if you aren't going to use it? Why have a bench if you can't use it when you're 3-1 down against Stoke and then turn around and whinge about how well it wasn't going to do any favours anyway, it wasn't change anything? Um, I think you touched on it, didn't you, James? You mentioned that there's clearly some sort of ulterior motive there. Do you know what I mean? And with yeah. regards to that, what, where, where do you think that's going to get him? Do you, well, think, do you think I, that he can turn around the short now and say, "Look, uh, look"? I mean, I'm 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 still behind David Moyes. I I set my stall out. I, I I don't think we I don't think I don't think actually any many fans are talking about um, giving him the sack anyway. But he had very very few options, didn't he? I mean, we've got we have got a massive injury list. Couple that with three players who've gone to the African Cup of Nations. Um, the players that he picked, as I said, they're the only ones he's got. So. I guess his job is the way to find find a way to get the best out of them. Um, without Victor Nietzscheby, I do find that we don't seem to have much of a plan. Um, we do lump the ball up to a, a five-foot-odd Jermaine Defoe. Yanazai is weak. He lumps the ball up to him and Barini, who we've already covered. Um, I... I, he's running. He is running out of time, and a lot of fans will 
we'll be losing patience with him. But I think we do have to we do have to sympathise with the fact that he doesn't have many, very many options here. It's it's not like he has. You looked at Stoke's bench at the weekend, and there was a lot of Premier League experience there. I mean, they had Afalai on the bench. I mean, he, didn't he come through Barcelona's academy or something? I mean, you look at our bench, and it's just it's just a bunch of kids, and you do you you have to sympathise with him. Because uh, no, had, no, no, you don't. You don't. Sorry, sorry, you, you don't. You do I, I because think, because I how, how... This on the uh, on the commentaries, you have to feel sorry for. You forget that at the beginning of the season, you had a full strength squad, and it was still no plan. It was still no plan. It he was. Did, but he never had a fully a full strength squad. He never really had that much money to spend either. I think like people are saying, oh well, he spent thirteen million on Andong. We know he didn't spend thirteen million. Only spent a couple of million. He's mm. he's probably barely spent five to ten million pound on a team that see, was desperate. No, but that's the same situation that previous managers have been in with, with limited funds and with, with you know, we, we know that in previous years we haven't spent money up front. We're still but paying They've other never players. had this, this injury crisis. They've never had 11 well, yeah, but what, how do we kn- players there. A lot of these injury crises, a lot of these injury problems happen. They are muscular injuries, hamstring injuries. A few lost of them four aren't, through to knee all. injuries, which that that is just sod's law. But how how do we know that some of his training uh, and and fitness regimes aren't causing some of these problems? This is my this is my issue. There's just an there's an assumption or or kind of a a, a, a an idea that that David Moyes is not responsible for anything at all, and of course he is responsible. If if I if I, if I um if I'm employed by someone and they change a circumstance or they uh, change my uh, targets or um, they ask me to do something impossible, I can either say, well, I'm not doing that, I'm going, or I can get on with it if I'm collecting a wage. And instead what he's doing is he's huffing and he's, and he's, and he's kind of, he's, from day one he's been cultivating this idea that uh, any success that he gets is great, but if anything goes wrong, it's not his fault. I do I really, agree. I, I do. I do think that. Um, I do think that you do. You make a lot of good points, and he, and he has. He has made errors. I just think we 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 do. We should afford him a little bit more time, um, just because he has been given duff hand, in my opinion. But he's 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 signed two African players for the for the for the most spend. I know you're saying it's not spend right now, but we are going to spend that money eventually. So he signed two African players in an African Cup of Nations year when we've already got a small squad. Now, for me, no one's no, no one's talking about that. But, and fair enough, Djilobodji hasn't gone, but we already had Kone, we already had Kazri, and then he signed Ndong and Djilobodji. And, and so that's four players, and he already... And he was saying at the beginning of the season, we haven't got many players, we need to add to the squad. Now, this is, these are decisions that he has made, knowing full yeah. well that it's an African Cup of Nations year, knowing full well that the squad isn't very big, and knowing full well that he hasn't got a lot of money to spend. Now, yeah, but I think, to, just to play devil's advocate on that, I think both of those signings were in, um, they were almost set up by Sam, weren't they? I know Dundong definitely was. They weren't necessarily a David Moyes signing, and he didn't have that much time to go out and find someone. So maybe he's just gone along with it. Well, either right, fine. But if he doesn't want the responsibility on his head, he can leave and he can and he can stop collecting his wage. If he's here and he is the manager, he is picking the players. He is ultimately signing the players. I'm going to blame him for it. I'm not going to say, oh well, you know, we'll just blame Sam or we'll blame Dick Advocate or we'll blame uh, 
Lee Congat or Paolo Di Canio. If if he is collecting the wage, Sorry, I right. expect I I, ex, I expect it, I expect him to get on with it and to not moan and to not be negative and not try uh, try to play games with with the owner to get more money and use young players on the bench, mm. destroying their confidence to try and achieve it. I, 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 I do and, agree and there. Let's, let's and we hear, continue. And we hear today that he's and we hear today that he's refusing to loan out a young player now because he because the squad's so small. But he won't play them, even in the cup. It's ridiculous. Well, on that note, I mean, let's let's take both of your opinions into account there and say, <laughs> let's say if if he has to go, then when? Because I mean, James is saying, well, he needs a bit more time. You've got to consider that it's now the January transfer window, and we're not going to get if he doesn't go now. Then whoever replaces him won't have an opportunity to make any kind of impact or their own imprint on the squad. Um, so. If he does need to go, how much time do we give him? If we do have to give him time, how much time does he get? Does he get until the end of the season? At which point we'll probably, well, at this rate, we will be relegated. And then who better to have in the championship as a manager than someone like him? I, I, I don't know. It's a, it's definitely a, a hot subject. Hot topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do blame him for certain things. And I agree with Callum in the sense that He's accepted the job, but basically he's either he's, he was given the task. He was people are saying, oh, he was lied to. He was lied to by such and such. He was lied to by Ellis Short. Doesn't matter. That makes him either naive or stupid. Either way, that's his responsibility. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because if if he sat there knowing, and when you consider that he's spoken to Sam Allardyce beforehand, supposedly, can you even imagine what Sam Allardyce had to say about it? Do you think he turned around and said, oh yeah, get in there, Moisey, because uh, you got loads of money. The owner's wicked. Do you know what I mean? It's fantastic. It's a great place to be. I doubt he said that. That's, so, a, that's yeah. a very good. That's a very good point. Obviously, these these managers are clearly friends in real life. Like I say, in real life, it's not football manager. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they they clearly talk all the time. I'm sure. I'm sure like Allardyce has clearly told him, "Oh, it's a great club to go and manage, but beware. There's these things. It's like they've not got much money." Uh, They've got these issues with some of the players. Some of them want to leave. Blah de blah. You, you're not going to get these loan players back. So it's like, it's, like you said, he's not going. Oh yeah, it's mint made. There's so much money everywhere, and it's just like it's like those Chinese teams just dishing out money, and you win every week. And you win every week. Scrooge McDuck, you know yeah, just dish, I'll, dishing I'll, I'll out. I've seen him literally dive into gold coins. <laughs> and, and but but he's he, he's he's taking the job with what six weeks before the end of the transfer window. It's like he signed a contract and 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 Ellis Shorter said to him, Oh by the way, transfer window closes on the thirty first of August. And as though as though he has no idea that that's how long he's got. Mm. As though like it's news to him that he's not gonna have very long to bring in his players. And he and he and he tr- even tries to blame the fact that Jeremy Lenz is off in Turkey on the fact that other people have told him about what his attitude's like. He said, Oh well, you know, I had to base it on um, on what other people were saying about Lens. All right, yeah, David, don't base it on the fact that for the first three games of the season he was our best player. Like, don't base it on that. Obviously, base it on on other people telling you what to do. He's just constantly dodging responsibility while ironically saying that the players need to take responsibility. He refuses to fail with them and just pushes them under the bus whenever whenever they lose or whenever they capitulate. And And a manager who refuses to fail with his team is not going to have the, t- the team's full support because he's just hanging them out dry every time. And also, he's got he's, he must have loads of mates in the media because 
now it's a case of he's always like, oh, poor old David Moyes. And like Chris yeah. Chris Sutton on BT or BBC or one of the two, he's saying, oh, he should just, should just go. He should be get out there as quick as quick as possible and just forget this ever happened. It's just like, <laughs> do any of you watch football? It's like, it's not how this works. He took the job. You have to see it through and don't just keep moaning about it. He was moaning in August. We'd only played two games. He said, all right, we're going down. And it's just like, what, what do you want to hear from your manager about that? Under Allardyce, it was more of a case of, I like rolling this together. And if we go down, we go down together. Not, oh, if we go down, it's their fault. And it's just like, oh, there's nothing I could do. I mean, mm. and then you have Sutton saying, oh, yeah, you should just get off. Just like, right, okay, I mean, he's, Let's be honest, Chris Sutton's just an absolute bellend. Right? <laughs> listening to him on, listening yeah. to him on the radio... He, he was on 606, and he just, how dare that man sit there and criticise Sunderland fans for, in inverted covers, leaving early. I think Jason Mohammed as well, the, the host, he was saying Sunderland fans are leaving after 20-odd minutes. What a load of rubbish. These lads, they sit there, they get paid to travel up and down the country, stay in five-star hotels to watch that. We all pay to watch that. We pay to watch that absolute drivel. And we've, we've been stuffed with it season after season after season, constant capitulations. How dare he have a go at Sunderland fans saying, oh, they're leaving early. West Ham the other week, the stadium was bloody empty after half an hour, but no one mentioned that because they're in bloody London. Yet Sunderland fans leave because yet again they see another capitulation and the media seem to just jump on it. It uh, drives me wild. Ran over there. <laughs> well, since, you, since you brought it up, let, let's discuss the idea of uh, of leaving early, fans leaving early. Um, obviously, I think we brought it up before. This is we brought it up in well a couple of months ago now, but um, different times. Do you know what I mean? Things have obviously steadily gotten worse since then, uh, with a few bright beacons of hope that are quickly snuffed out every now and then, every other week. So, what do we make of this? What do you what do you think about fans leaving early? To, um, Tom, sorry. Do you think they should do it? Do you think they should be allowed to do it? Do you think anyone has the right to challenge them on it? Um, I personally don't do it. I've only walked out of two games in my life. But when it's like, when we're getting walloped to like half time, then I, I, I can't really blame anyone for doing that. What annoys me more is when we're winning. We're winning like, I mean, David Moyes even said that oh, it was a bit of a, a bit of a dodgy ground for him to start treading on now calling out fans. But, like, for instance, when we, we were winning 1-0 against Watford um, back in December, and it should be because we don't win often, you'd think everyone would stay to enjoy this moment. And we're hanging on at 1-0, you think, because everyone's a bit on, on edge. You think, oh, the, the stadium should be packed. It should, like, get get the boys over the line. But then you look around, and it's about... There must have been about 18,000 people left in that ground when we won 1-0. Mm. So the players are turning around, like... Clapping, there's no bugger there. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, I have no, I have no issue with them walking out against Stoke or Aston Villa or Arsenal or I don't know. We could just name every single team. Every team. Can be here all night. Yeah, or Notts County or Northampton. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, just, I don't have a problem with that. But it just looks, it does look bad on the telly. And for some reason, the the media narrative is now Sunderland never. It's essentially what the saying is. Sunderland fans never stick behind their team. And it's like, apart from, you know, 
because no other team in the league, they none of their fans leave early at all. I mean, I'd, you know, you touched on West Ham, but I've seen you go to Swansea getting smashed at home. They've all gone home. It's like it's just what football fans do. It is. It's it, it's just it's it's completely normal. In no way are Sunderland fans any different. It's absolute. It's absolute rubbish. BBC are right on it all the time as well. Um, it's. I, I, I don't. I I would in no way criticise the fans. I think the fact that they 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 turn up week in week out to watch what's genuinely a pretty crap football team. It's just like, absolutely outstanding. To be honest, I think David Moyes is a bit naive even mentioning it. Um, which I, he should really just, at, at any moment like that, if someone asks him a question about fans leaving early, just praise him and then move on. Don't You don't want to get into that Gus Poyet situation where, because Gus, Gus um, criticised the fans a couple of times, didn't he? And it, it, if anything's going to make the fans lose patience more than the football that's being played is if you've got a manager who's who as Callum said can be very dour having a go at the supporters which yeah he shouldn't really be looking to do but I mean I I for, for me when I go to a football match um it's kind of my that's my that's my day do you know what I mean that's that's what I'm doing that day so I don't really care about like leaving early and getting public transport and like because like, like you know or sitting in traffic because you know, it's it's just one of those things. Part of you going to a football match, it's busy, it's crowded, so it's it's gonna you know you're gonna have to wait. And I don't understand people who sort of go and then think, oh well, I tell you what, I'm gonna win here because I'm gonna be the first one away. I just like that's a bit weird. But if there's if there's people with like you know like I've said before on the podcast, like you said, we mentioned it. If there's people with young kids or you know they've got to be somewhere, then they've got to be somewhere. And like you know, if if the performance is as, is as ridiculous as it was then people are well within their rights to, to go, and people are obviously well within their yeah. rights to go whenever they want. But and, and to be honest, I sit around some rather irritating people, so it can be quite a cathartic experience when people leave early for me. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, like obviously like it doesn't look good. You know, the, the people in the media latch onto it because it means they don't have to really talk about the game that much. They can, they can talk about something else because they haven't really watched the game. You know, you, you hear them saying, oh, you watched this game, didn't you? But they're all watching like eight games. They're not going to have any real spectacular insight into it, you know. So I just kind of, I, I just think it's something for the media to talk about. It's it's a it's a controversial subject. It will generate conversation um, and a bit of a bit of debate. And and I just think um, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a nothing subject. I think it detracts from the performance on the pitch. And I think David Moyes should have said, you know, the fans have shown up. The fans have paid their money. We, you know, our our guy, those guys on the pitch are paid money to be here, and we didn't show up today, and that's what he should have said. Not, you know, let's not criticise the fans here. We we we're paid to do a job, and we haven't done it. You know, that's that that's what a, a normal human who is capable of feeling emotion would say. But um, David Moyes instead kind of just he, he just latches onto these questions and doesn't think about it. The, the press officer at Sunderland must hate his job right now. Or, you know, they must hate their job. It's so does Moyes by the looks of it. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> don't we all exactly? No, no one loves it. Well, um, on that note, we've got obviously we're we're playing Burnley on Tuesday, but we're not going to touch too much on that. Um, we're just going to hope for the best, really, I suppose. Uh, moving on to the league, though, we're obviously against West Brom next Saturday. So, I mean, how are we feeling about that? What do you think about West Brom, James? What do you, after that display on Saturday against Stoke, what do you think we're going to make of all this? 
Well, you know, I'm I'm one of the more positive ones. I I do th- I do think well, it would be it'd be it'd be quite Sunderland to go and you know the, this usually after they've capitulated they'll come back and they'll put on a a battling performance and we'll probably go and get a point or something. But West Brom is a is a tough place to go this season, isn't it? It's it's not the same as it was last year. I mean, they've got some really really good players. Um, they've just bid ten million for. Jake Livermore as well, so they've obviously got some money to spend. There's a bit of a feel-good factor going on there. I mean, they got they got hammered by Spurs at the weekend, but the way Spurs are playing, that's not a massive surprise, is it? They've got I mean, Deli Ali and Kane completely on fire. Um, as long as as long as Moyes learns from the weekend, I'll be happy. I, he can't play O'Shea and Gillibodji at centre half. Um, they they don't work as a pair. Um, whether or not he brings Donald Love into midfield like he did against Burnley would be interesting. Um, I, I mean, I, I was going to say I'd like to see the kids play. I'd like to see, you know, Soro or, or whoever come in for someone like Fabio Barini, whether he will or not. Um, who knows? Um, Victor Nietzsche, if we can get him back, obviously playing against his old club. Uh, and a club that he didn't exactly do very well at, that could be invaluable, really. Mm, that's a good point. I mean, for for my part, I would say that we certainly, um, if if we were to bring, or if David Moyes was to bring on the uh, the youth, that would give me, would give everyone a bit of hope, wouldn't it? A little injection of hope and possibility that obviously the Sunderland fans are currently lacking. Do you know what I mean? Like even if just make the effort, just put. Even if you're going to put, why not try? Why not try starting one of these young lads instead of sitting there and thinking, "Oh well, I'm gonna, I, I might bring them on with 70 minutes to go or with 70 minutes gone uh, because they might change the game," and then turn around and saying that actually they won't change anything, so I'll just leave them on the bench. Why not try starting? Do you know what I mean? Start a Soro instead of Barini. Make use that as his punishment for his terrible, terrible form. Start a Soro instead of Barini. Give him 20 minutes and then use because this is the point. How many times has David Moyes now gone entire games without making substitutions. I mean, really, of the substitutions mm. that he has available to him, how many is he even made? I have to look that up. Um, but, but I'm sure it's it's a pathetically, staggeringly small amount. And yeah. people say we've got a weak squad and a weak bench. But at the end of the day, it's all about physics, isn't it? It's tired legs. You know, imagine Joel Osorio against those tired legs on Saturday. Imagine that. Mm. That, that would have been perfect. But uh, regardless of that, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly a fan of um, bringing them in. That's what I would say. Uh, with regards why, why, to what we've... Go on, mate. Thing, I was just going to say, why not play a midfielder in midfield and then you can put your centre-back who played well at centre-back in center back, I know. I should, <laughs> I should, be, locked, I should be locked away. But, um, but why, why not... <laughs> why not play someone like Honeyman or, you know... I, why not play him in central midfield? Give him a go. It can't be any worse than, you know, Jason Denea sort of setting up opposition chances in, in the, his own final third of the pitch. It can't. How could it be worse? I don't like... And I, I just think if you move Denea back and you, and you have, you know, you have a bit more balance, a bit more kind of people playing in their proper positions, then surely that can only be a good thing. But I, West Brom will be too much uh, for that for that squad they just will i mean they're not they're not kind of the sort of team who um who can only play a certain way they've got you know good players who can play 
fairly decent football this season. Um, you know, Matt Phillips offers them a bit of pace. I, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and uh, and you know, the, Chadley and and um, and uh, Rondon up front is a, is is a big physical threat. But they can also kind of grind out results. And they've got a, you know they're, they're solid. Their their defense is excellent. Um, it, it for me, it just looks like a nightmare <laughs> away game. Well, I mean, um, the, the troubling thing about it is, obviously, after he's talking about how James was talking about how brilliant Spurs are playing, uh, after West Brom, we've got Spurs. Do you know what I mean? Spurs, Palace, Southampton, Everton, Man City, Middlesbrough. I mean, it's not looking pretty for us. We need we need points and we need them fast, like, to be honest. Otherwise, we're just going to be left and caught, cast adrift. Do you, so, know who, uh, do you know who scored last time he won at the Hawthorns in the Premier League? No, no, no. Anthony the Talak <laughs> away Christ. in the record low points season. Yeah, <laughs> first Steve, Steve. win of the season. Yeah, <laughs> bobbled it in. So oh I've been I've been to the Hawthorne seven times. Although I think this will be my seventh time, and I've seen us get one point. So oh, don't hold out any So hope. it's your fault, Tom. Yeah, yeah, it's my fault, mate. <laughs> it's all my fault. I saw Catamol score a thirty-yard screamer. That was, it was that. that so that was quite much. good. Yeah, that was good. Top notch. Well, right. Sweet and watercolour memories, eh? <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll do quick predictions next. Um, so, for the game on Saturday, I'm going to go with... I don't I don't know why I'm going to say... Well, actually, Manoni's in goal, isn't he? Oh, Christ, actually. No, we're going to lose, so I was just going to give us a win there, <laughs> but I was just thinking, no. Actually, we've, we've only got about two goals in us, but Manoni could definitely concede three or four. So... Yeah, I'll, well, no, I'll tell you, I'll stick with a draw. I'll give it a two-all draw. What about you, Callum? Uh, I'm going to go for a, um, a a disgustingly depressing 1-0 loss. Ugh. I think we'll be in the game for a while, and then it'll sort of... Jillabodji will just smack it off Menone's face into the goal. Oh, God, <laughs> 1-0 loss, something, something like that. What about you, uh, 3-0 West Brom 2-0 down within 30 minutes and then we have a bit of a push second half and then uh, errant back pass 3-0 well I'm, I'm going to take that in the bookies actually you sound quite confident <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can get something from the yeah, that, that, sounded like a, that sounded like a report <laughs> James I'm preparing for Sunday, preparing for um, Sunday. I'm going to go now I'm going to be positive I, I, I'm going to go 2-1 Sunderland um I think Defoe, Defoe, Brace. How are lads? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Someone's got to be positive. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for joining me today, lads. Uh, thanks for listening to us, people. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Until next week, don't forget you can subscribe to us on the ACAST app and iTunes. And until uh, then, this is the Rugby Report signing off. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.